Okay, over the next sort of few weeks, we're going to be looking at a few things about the kingdom of God, okay? Um, because what we're wanting to do is make sure that we're building his kingdom, right? As Christians, that's what, what we want to do. We want to make sure that his kingdom is what we're building in this earth. And what I'd like to do this morning is just firstly challenge about the kingship of Jesus in your life, all right? Um, the kingdom of God, we're going to find out, is a whole lot of different things. Um, if you really like to read, pre-read anything, go through Matthew. It mentions the kingdom of God or the kingdom of heaven a lot of times. You can go and look through that, that gospel. You'll just see how it talks about what are the properties, the, the things of the kingdom. And I know that our heart is for growth of the church, right? It should be. If you don't want the church to grow, there's something wrong because that's a great commission, isn't it? That we go out and make disciples. And so it's about us starting to get to a point where we know that Jesus Christ really is king of our life. That God is number one and that's a little bit about what we read this morning about the idols in our life. There's so many things that we tend to put above God that, that we don't really subdue under him. And yet the call from God is for us to surrender our lives, our whole lives, not just our, our mind and our spirit, but also our body. And that means that we are going to have to make some choices because we know that out of those three things, there's only one that's born again. That's our spirit. The man that lives inside of me in this body is born again, totally renewed, made whole. Yet, I've got to somehow bring into subjection this body, which is what the Bible says, and somehow subdue the passions that, that are in there that aren't godly, and I have to renew my mind. That means I have to change the way that I think, and that's what we want to work on over these next few weeks, trying to change the way we think. Because our spirit man is alive and he just loves to serve God. He just wants to do God's will. Yet there's a battle within us which isn't, the battle for our spirit, really, because our spirit man loves God, just loves God. But it's all these other things. And so what we want to do is get to the point where our spirit man is in control of our life. That means that our spirit man is the one that we're listening to, because that's the real us. But he has that dominion, the authority over our mind and over our bodily actions, okay? Now, why is this important? There's a lot of reasons, really. <laughs> but we're just going to look at a couple today. First of all, we're going to go to James chapter 1. And we're going to read that. So James chapter 1, and we're going to start at verse 2. And read to verse 8. Interesting little bit of scripture here. Because it talks to us about troubles coming our way to start with. Then it talks about asking God for stuff, for wisdom. And then it tells us that we have to be loyal to God. And I think this is the area that I would love to look at over the next few weeks. What is it about the kingdom of God that is actually established in my life? Am I actually loyal to God? Because we all come here to church or we, we come as Christians and we say we're Christians, we belong to God. But how many know if I'm Sri Lankan, for example, I can come and live in Australia and, and I can dwell here 
I can actually not get citizenship but get the right to work here. Not only that, I can also carry out my own customs all the time. Nothing wrong with that, so I'm not picking on customs. And I can do everything as if I was still living in Sri Lanka. I hang around with other Sri Lankans, we we go to Sri Lankan parties, we have Sri Lankan festivals. Everything about my culture stays Sri Lankan, but I'm living in a different kingdom. This is a little bit what it's like for us as Christians, okay? God says that we are only travelling through this world. We're just visitors, Because the day that you became born again, it says that you were translated from a kingdom of what? Darkness to a kingdom of light. Yet, John talks so much about this and he says, live as children of the light. Which means that we have the opportunity, if we want, not to live as children of the light, to live our lives as if we were still in darkness. So what that's saying is this, that you're a Christian living in a foreign land, which we will call the world around us, because this isn't our home. This is just a place we're passing through. And yet, being from that kingdom, it's sort of the opposite way to those Sri Lankans. I will start to adopt the customs, the thinking, the ways and the patterns of the world that I'm living in. And so then I become untrue to the kingdom of God because I'm not living in the kingdom of light. What are those customs? What are those patterns? That's what we're going to sort of unpack over the next weeks to see what it is in your life that you actually have not surrendered to the king of the kingdom that you're in. Because I can easily go and live in a place that has a king and I can do nothing that he wants me to do. I'm in his kingdom, so to speak, but I haven't made him king of my life. I've not decided that, you know what, what the king wants, the king gets. And of course, we're not talking about an earthly king here. We're talking about our King Jesus, the King of kings and the Lord of lords. And so this morning, the challenge will come out to you, have I actually fully surrendered my life to Christ? Have I actually fully surrendered my life to Christ? Because we have this funny way of thinking, don't we, that it's, it still belongs to me and it doesn't. You know what? I don't care who you are in here. You do not have rights to control your own life. You just don't. Because the Bible says you are no longer your own. You belong to him because he bought you with a price. And this is why Paul often talks about being a slave of Jesus Christ. It's not that he's saying that I'm a whipping boy or or I'm, you know, low and, and Jesus hates me. What he's saying is everything I am is now in his control. You see, where where a master goes, the slave travels with him. What the master wants done, he tells the slave to do and he does it. A good obedient servant will do that. And so what Paul's saying is, I am so sold out to Jesus Christ that nothing else in this world matters anymore. And he started to talk about his education. Hey, I am smart. I was under the best teachers that there was. I was on my way up through the ranks. 
And not only that, from birthright I'm a Jew, I've got the credentials. And in fact, he even had the Roman citizenship. So he was accepted everywhere. Yet when it came to the crunch, Paul just said this, everything I've achieved in this world, whatever it is, I reckon it's just dung, poo. That's what he thought of it. (laughs) It mattered nothing at all. Because he knew that when he entered into the kingdom of Christ, that inheritance, the richness of what God had for him, that was true life. And yet, we say we want the kingdom of God to grow. We say we want people to be Christians. We say we want them to follow Christ. Now, thank goodness it's not to do with us. It's to do with him bringing people into his kingdom. But we are partners with that, aren't we? And Jesus Christ is enough of an offence to unbelievers that we don't need to add to it by what we do and say and and how we are. James 1 verse 2. Dear brothers and sisters, when troubles come your way, consider it an opportunity for great joy. For you know that when your faith is tested, your endurance has a chance to grow. So let it grow. For when your endurance is fully developed, you'll be perfect and complete, needing nothing. If you need wisdom, ask our generous God and he'll give it to you. He will not rebuke you for asking. But when you ask him, be sure that your faith is in God alone. Do not waver. For a person with divided loyalty is as unsettled as a wave of the sea that is blown and tossed by the wind. Such people should not expect to receive anything from the Lord. Their loyalty is divided between God and the world and they are unstable in everything they do. Just read from James 4 now, just quickly, just to add on to that. Verse 4. James 4, verse 4. You adulterers, don't you realise that friendship with the world makes you an enemy of God? I say it again. If you want to be a friend of the world, you make yourself an enemy of God. Pretty potent stuff, right? There's a couple of things we need to think about here. Are we divided in our loyalty? Do we say, I love God, yet our actions speak? Polar opposite to that. Do we say, I trust in you, God, alone, but I'm going to find a better way? Contrary things. Because we are so used to relying on our own self this is a worldly thing, a selfishness, a, a thinking that it's, you know, I did it my way, good on you. <laughs> Didn't work very well, did it? <laughs> and that's something that people pride themselves in. How many funerals will you hear that song played? He just did it his way. Well, that's great. But you know what? There is only one way, and that is Jesus Christ. There is no other way. So whatever other way you want to do it yourself, silly you. Because it's always going to end up in trouble, despair and hardship. Even as a Christian, living life as a child of God and actually being in the kingdom, there are many times when you won't actually see the kingdom. What do you mean, Neil? What I mean is this. The things that God has for you, you will never, ever inherit. 
You will walk in the kingdom but never enjoy the benefits of the king because you are not giving him lordship of your life. You're not saying, God, you know, whatever it is in my life, I don't care what it is, my time, my money, my talents, my house, my kids, my thoughts, my emotions, they're mine. And that's a really wrong mindset that we have to try and battle as Christians living in this world. Mine, 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 mine. But you see, they're not yours. God is the king. And he says, you cannot have a divided loyalty. You cannot say you love me and hate your brother. Divided loyalty. You cannot say, God, I give you my life when you don't give him your stuff. And you think it's your stuff, but it's not your stuff. Everything that you have comes directly from God. He is the very breath that breathes life to your spirit. And so the first thing about being in the kingdom is to understand that the ownership has changed. There is now a flag planted above your life that puts God in control. Now, God allows us to have that stuff. I want you to understand that. It's it's like, you know, he gives us money. He doesn't say, give me everything. You can see uh, passages that talk about that. Even when it's talking about tithing, he says, hey, the first tenth is holy. That belongs to me. Do what you want with the rest. It's yours. But what God's saying is this. You are no longer an owner but a steward of what I give you. And that is part of the kingdom that we're going to look at very carefully over the next few weeks. Stewardship. If you start to change the mindset that you have, hey, I'm only a steward of what God gives me, it actually opens up your life to so many blessings, so many opportunities, so much growth, so much peace, so much joy. Because it doesn't belong to you. It's his. Even that story, do you remember that story of Ananias and Sapphira? They sold some land and and they came to the apostles and, and laid it at their feet, the money from it. Well, they came in separately. The husband comes in first and he says, yeah, this is you know, all the money from the land. And, and he was told, ah, listen, mate, you're lying to us. But you're not only lying to us, you're lying to the Holy Spirit. And he dropped dead. Got carried out by young people. <laughs> Pretty graphic, right? New Testament stuff. The wife comes in, does the same thing. She lies as well. Drops down dead. They carry her out. What's the whole point of that? Is it to say that every time we do something wrong, God's going to kill us? No. Because what they said to them was this, that land was yours, the money from that land was yours to do with what you wanted. You can do what you want. God's not even asking for that. But what he's saying is start to be honest with me. Be honest about yourself. Honest about your motives. Honest about your giving. Honest about your loving. Don't lie to the Holy Spirit. He doesn't like it, obviously. (laughs) He doesn't like it very much at all. Why doesn't he like it? Because it stops the kingdom of God expanding and growing because God cannot work with a lie. Who is God? God is truth. There's no lie in God. He cannot lie. 
And what he's asking us to be is in our brokenness, broken, and look for healing. In our incompleteness, be incomplete, but look to be made complete by the king. But the problem is if we take our incompleteness and don't surrender it to him, that means we've got to take care of it. It just doesn't work. God wants us to come to him fully, wholeheartedly and say, God, you are king. And the thing is this, if we are divided, what does James tell us? You ever been in that place where none of your prayers are answered? Sometimes it's just the time, okay, and perseverance, which God's calling us to. But what's James telling us? He says you're doubly minded. You've got divided loyalties. You say you love me, but you're not living like you love me. And then it says, if you're going to ask, you need to ask in faith. How can a man who's undecided ask for anything? If I'm asking God for something and I'm like, yeah, I know you'll give it to me. No, maybe you won't. Yes, you will. No, you won't. What's he going to answer? God can't answer confusion and he doesn't author it. So God's saying this, do you want to see me work in your life? Surrender. Surrender. Don't divide your loyalty between this world, as it says in James 4.4, if you're a friend of the world, you're an enemy of God. That's actually pretty heavy, right? But do you know what? As a Christian, I love that. It's like one of those wounds that, that, that makes me go, I need to seek you more, God. I need to make sure that my life is right before you, God. I don't know if any of you are like that. But when you read the Word of God, and if you don't, this is why your life's out of control. When I read the Word of God, it whips me. You know when we're talking about how does God uh, discipline us? Through the Word of God. Because I read that Word of God with an open heart and an open spirit, and he talks to me and he says, you've just been selfish. And I go, ouch, that hurt. That hurt a lot, God. <laughs> Why did you do that with your word? You cut me deep. But the thing is that when I'm disciplined, it gives me um, a right way of living and it allows me to walk in God's blessing. What was that related to? I can't remember. <laughs> but divided loyalty will not ever work if you want to live a good successful, prosperous Christian life. And I know you know that. I know you know that when you're out of fellowship, when you're not reading the Word of God, your life spirals out of control. Not only doesn't it discipline you, but it also doesn't plant the seeds of hope. Because as we pray, you know, and I read something like, by Jesus' stripes you were healed. I'm like, wow, that's a great promise, God, and it plants a seed of hope in me. And it can start to grow. I can start to water it. When I read what we read this morning, even in um, Exodus 20 there, when it started to talk about if a man loves me and serves me with all his heart, I'll bless him to a thousand generations. What does that do for you? When you see your kids are failing or not doing well, and yet you can read a verse like that and go, yeah, God, I do love you. I'm serving you with all my heart, so I know that your blessing can be on my children. For a thousand generations. 
Who was it going on about the Word of God the other week? <laughs> Can you remember? Someone preaching up here, rattling. No, talking about the Word. Karen, was you? She wasn't rattling on. She was speaking very nicely. <laughs> she speaks well. <laughs> but she was just saying, come on, this Word, this is our life, this is our strength. If you don't read the Word of God, how can you expect any change? And not only that, what, what rules of the kingdom do you know? I know the Spirit of God's there revealing things to us. Yes, we understand that. But you see, it's the Spirit and the Word agreeing. And you'll find sometimes you just knew something and then you read it in the Word of God and you go, wow, I knew that already. And other times you read it in the Word of God and your Spirit will go, wow, that's true. But guess what happens if you never read the Word, never submit your life to Christ, nothing. You're a very average, upset, angry, disappointed, bitter Christian. And you're saying, why doesn't God give me anything? Well, go and read James. Your loyalties are divided. You don't even bother to read my word. You say you follow me, but what direction are you going? It's like, yeah, I'm going off to Melbourne and I'm going to find a street in Melbourne, but I'm setting off, but I'll tell you what, I don't need this road map. Woo! <laughs> I'm just going to get there, you know? Who knows where I'll end up? <laughs> what about your Christian life? Come on. You know, I'm not doing this for any other reason that I love you and I want to see you grow as a Christian. You really think you can find what God wants by doing nothing? By throwing out the road map, the Bible that sits collecting dust on your shelf, the sword of the Spirit covered in rust? Hello? We've got to shine that thing up. We've got to get it out. <laughs> we've got to get it out and we've got to get it into our spirit. Because if you want to walk the path that God has for you, there is only one way to follow that path. Jesus Christ is what? The way. He's the way. He is the way. And so God's saying to you, do you want to see something happen? Do you want to see this church explode? Do you want to see the church in Darwin explode? In Australia, across the world? Do you want to see his kingdom established? We're Christ has rule and reign and that's exactly what it means. I think the Greek word is basilio or something. It's the place where the king reigns from. Is he reigning? Is he reigning in your life, really? The decisions that you make, are they about you or are they about what God wants? Because as soon as they become about you, it becomes selfish, it becomes anti-God and it becomes worldly. In fact, I think we read out a little while ago about how it's actually devilish. No seat in the kingship of Jesus Christ. So what does the kingdom of God look like? That's what we're going to find out over the next few weeks. We're going to go through some of the stuff in Matthew and we're going to look at what Jesus said, the kingdom of God is like this. The kingdom of God is like that. It's like a seed. It's like a tree. It's like a farmer who did something. <laughs> Lots of different things. And we're going to try and break that down a bit because if you want to be successful as a Christian, and I don't mean worldly successful, I don't mean rising to great heights. It's really not about that. Do you know what? There's a bit of an argument. Do you remember this about who's the greatest in the kingdom? 
who's the greatest in the kingdom of Jesus? Oh, you know, I want my sons to sit, one on your right, one on your left. You know, who's going to be the best? And Jesus said, you got it all wrong. One of the good things that he didn't do was rebuke them for wanting greatness. There's nothing wrong with wanting to be great. Nothing wrong with wanting to achieve for God. Nothing wrong for just wanting to be the best at what you do. What did Jesus attack that day? He didn't attack the desire to be great. But he said, the path you're on is the wrong one. He said, if you want to be great, the greatest in the kingdom of God is the servant of all. (laughs) So what he's saying, keep that desire to be great because the greater you want to be, the better a servant you have to be in the kingdom of God. That's something to think about, isn't it? God loves to exalt the humble and bring down the proud. That's the way he works. Just finish off with Romans 12, verse 1 and 2. So, dear brothers and sisters, I plead with you to give your bodies to God because of what he has done for you. Let them be a living and holy sacrifice, the kind you will find acceptable. This is truly the way to worship him. And so, dear brothers and sisters, I plead... Oh, that's the same verse. I'm going to repeat it again. (laughs) I plead with you to give your bodies to God because of all he's done for you. Let them be a living and holy sacrifice, the kind he will find acceptable. This is truly the way to worship him. You see, if we want our king to be really worshipped, if we want to say, yeah, I worship your God, he's not just saying that it's in the way we sing. Matt, can you, Matt, can you come up, mate? It's not just in the way we sing. It's not just in the beautiful things we make or the words we pray. But what it is, is an actual act of making yourself a living sacrifice. Giving yourself to God in every area. Your body, what does that mean? You know what? When you go to work, that's worship. Because when you go to work, you say, God, I'm here for you. What do you want done? And um, just went through a little exercise the other week at prayer meeting. And I said, right, hey, guys, what's a missionary? Like, let's just say you want to be a missionary. What do you need? Oh, you know, we'll we'll have to go over there. So we're going to need finance. We're going to need supporters, so we need people that can pray with us and talk about things with us and we can, can really work with them. What else? Oh, we need to get to know the culture, so we'll spend time getting to know who the people are, what, you know, what they like, dislike, the things that are offensive to them that aren't, how we can actually open the doors. So we might need a job there and we'll work there and earn some money and then we'll, we'll make sure that we're ministering afterwards. And I just said this point to him. What do you got here? Yeah, I got a job. Got some money coming in. Got people that I can pray with and support me. But you know what's missing? Is the mindset that says, I'm a missionary right here in my workplace. I'm a missionary right here in my school. I'm a missionary right here in this city. 
And so sometimes we just have this divide, like, you know, to be in ministry, you have to head off overseas, and this is my mission work, to reach the, the, the unsaved people. But we sometimes fail to understand the culture that we're living in, not become part of some of it, but understand it. Do we spend time? Because I was a missionary, I'd, after work I'd be out trying to find out how I can get in to speak the gospel. Yet we've given everything we need physically to reach out, but spiritually our mind's not there. It's not like, hey, I'm actually a missionary here in Darwin, in Palmerston, how to bring something to do, my school, my work. Does that start to just twist your mind a little bit? You're starting to think, oh, I'm not called to be a missionary. Yes, you are. <laughs> you already are one. God's placed you amongst people who you need to learn their culture, develop relationship. That is the other thing. If you're a missionary, you're out developing relationships. And, and God's saying to us today, listen, I want you to start to change your mind because you're thinking the kingdom of God is outside of your workplace. The kingdom of God is outside your school. The kingdom of God is outside your church, inside your church sometimes, but outside of a place that's different. Do you reckon we can do that this year? Just start to see that where we are is actually the mission field. Because it starts to open your eyes. It means that when you go to the shop, you're suddenly opening up your spirit. God, what are you saying? Is there someone here that I need to speak to? It's not just, this is my life here in Australia. I walk to the shop. I don't care if God wants to use me because I'm just here to shop. Now, you might be there to shop and God might not get you to do anything. Cool. But it's that mindset, isn't it? Is Jesus your king? Is he your king when you're going shopping? Is he your king in the hairdresser? Is he king all the time? Because until we start to change that mindset, where is the kingdom of God? That's what we're going to look at, things like that. Where is it? Where is the kingdom of God? Because it obviously ain't in my work. Yeah, actually it is. You're carrying it with you. <laughs> and what we want to do is work with Jesus to bring his authority, his rule and reign to this earth. And the only way to do that is get people to surrender their lives to him. Through us, we can help. As Jesus, the Holy Spirit, works through us. So I'll leave you with that thought there. Have you given everything to him? Because as we move forward and you're challenging this kingdom stuff, if you don't make him your king, you'll never advance the kingdom. It's impossible. It's like you're working for someone who you don't obey. All right. Let's stand up together. And what, what I'd like you to do is just, if you want prayer, come up. If you feel that you haven't made God your king, or maybe you haven't even been saved, you've never, never received Jesus Christ into your life, but you feel this morning that something's just tugged your heart and you're just like... I want to know Jesus. If you come up this morning, we'll pray for you, pray with you, and we'll ask Jesus to come into your life. It's, um, it's all pretty easy, really. And God will come in and he'll meet you. You'll find yourself in peace straight away. Or if you just want prayer for anything else, the Holy Spirit's here to comfort this morning as well. So if you're grieving a bit, come up. We'll pray. 
just for the peace of God to come upon you. And um, at the beginning of James, it talks about be happy when there's a lot of things happening. It's okay, it's cool. Let your patience grow. Because as you do it, you become perfect and, and you'll end up in this place where you don't need anything because God's providing everything that you need. And so we rejoice in those times knowing that God's working in our life. We don't rejoice for it. We rejoice in it. All right? So, so let the Holy Spirit minister to you if we just stand together and we'll sing this morning and, and we'll just invite the Holy Spirit down by attitude of worship to Him because there'll be some people up the front here if you're not coming up the front that just want to touch from the Holy Spirit. They need Him to work in their lives. We want to create an atmosphere that's welcoming to the Holy Spirit. You know we can grieve Him. We can quench Him. And we don't want to be that person. We want to be the person that's opening up the door for the King to come in this morning.